Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Our next guest is somebody who, uh, with just calendaring and all of that stuff, have been very, very difficult to connect because she is a highly sought-after speaker. She is an award-winning financial services professional and somebody who is uh, really produces a substantial amount of great thought leadership. Uh, it is Christy Alexson. She's the CEO and founder of Single Point, and she is our guest today. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I am so glad that we were able to mesh our insane calendar so that we could get you on. Um, I'd like to start, if you don't mind, like I do with most of our guests, which is, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about your history. How did you get to becoming a female financial advisor? By accident, like every female (laughs) financial advisor. All right. So (laughs) when I was growing up, I had uh, plans on being a rock star entrepreneur, literally a rock star and entrepreneur. And then when I was rich and famous, I was going to give it all up, go back and be a school teacher uh, because that's what everybody would do. Right. (laughs) And (laughs) my father was a school teacher. His mother was a school teacher. Aunt on that. Everybody's school teachers. And so when I was a senior in high school, around March, after I've committed to a college and done all the things, my dad, by the way, followed me from junior high to high school. And he stopped me in the hall on the way to class. And he said, don't do it, kid. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to class. He says, don't be a teacher. I'm like, whatever, dad. And so went on to class that week later on, the art teacher asked me, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. And she said, oh, in a university? I'm like, no, I'm going to come back and teach in high school. And she's like, oh, well, fast forward. I found out they were in a contract negotiation year. Everybody was unhappy. (laughs) It was just a bad time. But my dad's impact was pretty solid. So he gave me a gift of going to college and not a cheap one. It was a private school with no formal agenda to exit that with a teaching credential. And I knew I loved business. So I took a ton of business classes, actually double majored in business and political science. And then I, you know, matriculated out of the university to continue my bartending job because I didn't like any of the offers I was getting. It was like assistant manager for Lady Foot Locker and that doesn't Mm. exist anymore. So then I had the opportunity to start as a marketing assistant, for lack of a better title, in a small investment company that happened to focus on working with teachers. And so I took that job thinking, I love marketing. I'm good at it. I love teachers. They're awesome. This is perfect. It ended up not being that much of a marketing job. It was really data entry, but the window was there. And so about a year in, they laid off all of us to restructure the company. And then they called me a couple months later and said, we really didn't want to let you go. But, you know, would you consider coming back? And so, of course, I'm a Taurus born in the year of the ox, which means I'm doubly stubborn. And so I was like, well, I'll only come back on these conditions, one of which was getting licensed because I thought uh, by working in being an advisor, I would be able to be a teacher and I would be ironically teaching teachers. So it was a, a back ended way of how I got into the industry, but it was definitely where I was supposed to be. 
Now, since you've been in the industry, you have achieved levels of notoriety and success that that really a lot of people are, are quite jealous of, uh, actually, including <laughs> myself. Uh, so oh. how, how, how did that all come about? I mean, uh, so obviously you're doing things either fundamentally unique and different, or you're doing something just so well that you're gaining so much attention. What, what are you doing, Christy? You know, it's been, a, uh, <laughs> I'm like hands on my head right now with, uh, how do I answer this question? Because none of this has been expected. As I was telling someone the other day, because I just got another honor too here locally in Portland and someone asked me like, what are you, know, what are you doing? Do you just have a good PR person? I'm like, I don't, I am my PR person. <laughs> I said, you know what? I wake up every day and I just do what I do. And I think maybe the thing, and I don't think it's unique because there's a lot of amazing advisors in our industry. And I, I wish our voices were louder to be able to squell the, the negative ones. But what I have found is you get up and you do what's in the best interest of your clients every day and you be a good steward in your community. And for some reason, people find that unique and interesting and different and they like you and they start talking about you. And the next thing you know, you're doing other things that are exciting. So I get up and I be me. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, like I'm bragging, but I, I, cause I'm not, I just get up. I live my core values. I do my things. I love my clients. I do whatever I can do to make their lives better. We do a lot of you know, I always say a, a, a good meeting in my office is one that ends in a hug because someone's mm. leaving here happy and relieved. One of my core values is happiness. I had a, a person that interviewed me for a magazine after I won that uh, an award. And um, she says, I've never seen a financial advisor have a core value as happiness publicly on their website. I'm like, well, what do we do this for? I mean, mm-hmm. we want our clients to be happy. I don't want to come to work every day and not be happy. If my staff isn't happy, you know, there's a problem there. They're my first client because they treat my clients, you know. So I live that. I want people to be laughing and having fun and not be so stressed out about money. So that's that's what I do. Well, so I'm going to address two of those things there. And, and I, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never seen happiness as a core value. So that's freaking awesome. You know, the whole <laughs> idea of having a louder voice, that, that's why we started Top Advisor Marketing, mm-hmm. especially in this right. new, because we want advisors like you to get their voice out above all of that terrible noise that you have to fight against on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah. But I want to go back to something else because... Now, so so your client meetings result in hugs. Now, now I don't think that that's abnormal. I think that a lot of advisors do that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what you actually do for them, because I think if sure. we lift under the hood a little bit more, we might find out, uh, you know, what that secret sauce might be. Sure. And as an example, I have found a lot of clients come in and immediately start apologizing for the state in which they're, or I should say, prospects the state in which their finances are in or with the data that they're bringing, they just don't know what they have. And I'm sorry, I just don't understand all this stuff. And I start everything with giving them permission to not apologize. The reason they're in the, the office with me and the reason we're meeting is to take the steps to help them understand what they have, what they need, what they're doing, make sure all the things are meshing with each other. Uh, so they're, they're doing what they should be doing. Why would you apologize for going to the doctor when you're sick? You don't say, gee, doc, I'm sorry, I got the flu. You walk in and say, doctor, I've got the flu, I think. Can you verify that and get me some meds? You're in my office. You're doing the right thing. Let's, let's look at what you have, figure out what you're trying to do, and, and find the best path for that. Uh, I also like humor. And I find that, I mean, you can tell when people don't want to have the humorous piece and you stay a little more serious, but... I find that people really 
can relax and be open and just feel less stress when we have a little fun in the process of talking about something that very few people enjoy talking about, which is their money. Uh, There's always some emotional attachment, probably from before they even had words to form what that was from their childhood around money. And we try to work through some of that. And we do it with, um, well, I do have a behavioral financial advisor designation. We use a lot of the tools through that schooling, but I was doing this stuff before the designation was a thing. So we talk about a lot of the, you know, core values and, you know, why is this a thing? I have just as another story, some clients that we went through, because I find couples rarely have talked about this stuff in depth. They talk about how we're paying the bills each month, but not the rest of it. And it's fun to get them on the same page. So I have some cards, like what are some of your goals and have them each differently and then come together and you find out one spouse wants to own a business. The other spouse had no idea. So then it makes for fun conversations. But I had one couple that travel was a, is a top priority for both of them. They've been pretty much everywhere on the planet and they were getting ready to start a family. And she was concerned that travel was going to change once they started a family. And at some point I'd noticed they hadn't taken a big trip. It was like two years and they, they took a big trip every year. I said, what happened to travel? This was a, a top like number one for both of you when we were talking about goals. And she says, you know, you're right. And we really want to start a family. And I think we've been avoiding it, both things, because it feels like doing one stops the other and vice versa. Hmm. So they ended up taking a three-month sabbatical from their jobs. One owns a company, one works for one. They took a three-month sabbatical, uh, got on whatever appropriate rover, land or range, I don't know, and went through Southern Africa. So five, four or five different countries, It was an amazing trip. And then they came home. They had their first child. They now have two children. Uh, And ironically, the first child was born a couple weeks early on my birthday. So it's our ongoing joke that he was a gift to me. But Mm. he wasn't. But it was, and they've told me repeatedly, like, we never would have taken that trip had you not kept that, that priority in front of us. We told you that was something we wanted. You kept calling us out on it, saying, if it's something you want, you got to do it. And usually... I mean, really, usually travel isn't the thing we're talking to people about that they aren't doing. It's usually like, hey, can you slow down on the travel because you're behind on your retirement plan? Hmm. But in this case, it was something to say, hey, life's this is we're not here to just like save money and then die. We're here to enjoy it along the way. So it just that's something that we that we that I work with with my clients is making sure that what we're doing is really what they're what makes them happy. As we, well as practical. We, we talk <laughs> about niches a lot on this. Do, do you have one? I mean, do you have a, a specific sort of uh, client that you like to serve? You know, that's an interesting question because when I got in the industry, which was a long time ago, um, I was told to niche. And when I got in, I was working with 403B people, so teachers mostly. I mean, anyone who worked in a public sector that was eligible. And so that was the niche. And as time developed or, you know, you get along in your career, I love that group. I happen to be now, I wouldn't, I mean, people call me an expert, but very, very, very knowledgeable on our state's pension as well as the neighboring state's pension. And so people come to me for advice on that. I still service that community. And I found that I really love working with small business owners. And I'm talking about small, like entrepreneurial, maybe up to a dozen employees at the high end because I find I give extra value there because I am a business owner. I do have an MBA. I am involved in a lot of organizations that deal with, you know, how to grow businesses. So I can give extra value there. And 
it feels good to be able to come in and help a, an owner get through some of the struggles. And I do one part of it, but I can connect them to six other people who do the rest of it. So that is a piece that I love to work with, a group that I love to work with. And I am becoming less of an anomaly, but I love millennials. I've loved them for like seven years now. They are maybe 10. I don't even know. But they are, um, and I, I don't mean this as like a narcissistic ego, but they are the best ego boost you're ever going to work with. I have never worked with a group with very little exception that comes prepared. They follow through. They communicate. They actually do the steps you tell them to do. And they're excited to complete and report back to you and ask what's next. Hands down, every millennial that I've had as a client, some I haven't taken on because there was just nothing I could do to help them where they were for the price tag it would cost them. And I've referred them to other resources. But the ones who are my clients, I mean, showing up with color-coded quadranted paper with everything listed out and being super efficient and then calling me two, two months ahead of schedule to say, got it done. Are we ready to go to the next step? Calling me when they get raises and bonuses saying, here's what I'm thinking I should do with this money. Do you agree or should I do something different? It's, um, I mean, I love them. I love them. So millennials are another place that I like to spend time. Now, so you just uh, received an, an award in Portland specifically. I just I saw mm -hmm. all of that online. Uh, but you were also got an award from WIFS. Would you mind telling us mm -hmm. a little bit about well, one, what WIFS is, and then what yes. the award was that you got? Yeah. So WIFS is Women in Insurance and Financial Services, and it is an organization that is about I think we're on eighty three years now. It started as the Woman Life Underwriters, um, and then you know changed to a more relevant organization with women in insurance and financial services. And I've been involved in that organization for a little over a decade when the Portland chapter started. And up until November 1st, I had been on the board of the Portland chapter uh, for 10 years. And then I did uh, one term on the national board a few years back. But the organization's mission is to attract, develop, and advance women in the insurance and financial services industries. And I would love to tell you that we've made a huge change in the number of women in the industry. I shouldn't say the number of the percentage of women advisors. It hasn't changed a whole bunch since I've been in the industry. I mean, a couple percentage points, but there's also more advisors. So, you know, the number of women has increased, just we haven't changed the percentage as much as we'd like to. But the organization is one that's near and dear to my heart. I, I can tell you when I launched my business, it was right before the recession, you know, wishing I had a crystal ball after the fact, but I got probably, it was close to 40% of my new business in, I think about 2010 from referrals within that organization. So my peer group referrals within that organization coming to me, um, kept my business going mm. and growing in the recession. So yeah, I'm pretty passionate. And it's also nice to have a group of people who are going through what you go through and be able to talk to them and not feel like you're doing something wrong or the odd person out or any of the negative things. You actually have people who are like, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're going through. How can I help? And it's just a, a wonderful group. The award is, it's changed a little bit over the years, but it is uh, recognizing a member for um, their involvement in not only the organization, but the industry and their community, not just industry specific. And it's like the prestigious award for the organization each year. And in, I think 
think this is the second year, but it may have been the first, where the finalists are announced before conference. That's normal. But usually the committee chooses the winner. And this year, the committee put out the, the 10 finalists. And I, when I, I'll be really blunt. When I got that list of the 10 finalists and I was on it, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I know eight of us, me and myself included, and seven others really well. Mm-hmm. The other two I'm aware of. I'm not even going to be in the top five of this list. They are all amazing. So at conference, they announced the top three point earners of the application process. It was myself, which I remember they put me up first because, you know, alphabetical. And I'm like, wait, I'm a finalist? And I I mean, I was getting teary-eyed just from that. Like, this is amazing. I can't even believe that was, that's such an honor. And then my colleague, Alice Tang, who's here in Portland, who started the Portland chapter, she's been a friend, mentor, and just wonderful inspiration here. And so to be a finalist with her was even more exciting. And again, me thinking there's no way Alice Tang is like goddess in WIFS world. And then Nancy uh, Wolf down in Florida, who's a state farm. She's not just an agent. She owns a whole thing with lots of agents and she's amazing. So it's, it was a quite the, the people to be with. And so I was just walking around conference, happy to have been on the list and not expecting anything else. Well, this year they had live voting. So people in the room were the ones who chose the winner. And they said they did that because they actually wanted the organization's members to choose who they wanted to have as their women of the year from the most qualified candidates who had, you know, applied. And so my name threw up, was thrown up on the screen and I'm, I mean, I'm emotional in the sense of I have them, but I'm not the person who's going to be like crying in public. I immediately started crying. (laughs) I'm like, this is like winning Miss America. Like, I I can't believe this. So then they made me talk on the spot, which was, you know, fun. Thanks. Someone handed me Kleenex. It was wonderful. But it was a, it was, it still feels a little surreal because of the amount of respect I have for the people that are part of this organization and the amazing people who are in that room. I know them. I mean, I know all the people in that room and what they're doing in their own communities. And when I look on, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to start naming them all because I'll forget so many people. But when I look around and I see all the stuff that's being done and to think that for 2018, I was chosen as the person who was like the most inspirational, involved, active, whatever the criteria, there's quite a list. It, it's still overwhelming. It's just an honor. And now I'll be forever memorialized on their website. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, Thank so you. Let, let's talk about what you do in the community. This, this is a, a huge component. If people yeah. do follow you on social media, which of course I do and I have for a long time, because your name always comes up in circles that I run in. So I started following you and of course doing due diligence for you know preparing for the podcast today. Sure. I was scrolling through your LinkedIn profile specifically in it's all about Portland. So let's talk about yeah. what you do in Portland. Yeah. So I love my weird city that we like to keep weird. It's it's a fun place. Um, I grew up in Alaska, but my family is all Portland people. So my dad's the, the crazy guy who said, I'm done with this Oregon place. We're going to Alaska. And so that's where I grew up. But I feel like I had the best of both worlds because my vacations, quote unquote, were visiting grandparents in Portland. But my community is um, vibrant and growing and we have problems but we also have amazing people here and I am overly involved I actually rolled off some boards at the end of the year just because I thought you know 
I need some time to just like do some self care and more, more pampering of me. Uh, but don't worry, I'm already getting over involved again. <laughs> so in my community, I I'm part of like entrepreneurs organizations, accelerator program, which is a bunch of entrepreneurs who they have income requirements, but who are looking to grow to the EO level, which is an international organization. And that group fills my soul because it's people that I can go and talk to about business owner stuff. And uh, you get to know their their businesses and organizations, and then you want to just support them because they're great people. So I do that. As far as board service, women in insurance and financial services has been a bulk of my volunteer time for the last decade. And that chapter has been the number one membership chapter in the country for the last, oh, I think we hit it in year two, so eight years, seven or eight years. And that's pretty impressive when you consider there's chapters in New York City, in L.A., in Chicago, in Dallas, in Houston. I don't know that we'll keep that honor this year because those ladies down in Houston are doing a a lot of recruiting. (laughs) So they're getting a big chapter down there, as they should, as they should. Mm -hmm. I also am heavily involved in... Well, I, I'll, I'll pitch the one that I, so poor, uh, uh, friends of mine, the ones who I referenced earlier who did this trip to Africa, their clients as well. We ended up, they brought gentleman and his wife up to Portland. Actually, they were here for animal law forum because Lewis and Clark College here has, their law school has one of the only animal rights things in the country. And so I don't know what the degrees, uh, designations So we had this gentleman come up from Zimbabwe who is uh, part of a group called Environmental Stewardship Trust that are rangers that protect rhino herd from poachers. And hearing his story and his father before him and seeing the work they were doing, and they were actually having success in protecting these animals and growing the population, unlike just to the south of them in South Africa, which was having the opposite effect or outcome, we decided to start Zimbabwe Rhino Project here and start raising money to help with the projects that are things like getting rain gear for the rangers because they're out in the middle of nowhere for 10 days straight in the rain trying to hunt poachers down and protect animals. So we have Columbia Sportswear here. Why wouldn't we work on that connection? So we had all kinds of little things. We're working on other projects. So that's one that I still am very much involved in. Raphael House of Portland, another important topic, domestic violence. Um, I'm very much, we do a, a gift drive here in the office every year. So our Our client appreciation is actually a pay-it-forward event where we have our clients bring in donations of new coats, toys, kitchen items for women and children who are starting over. And it's been a highly successful thing that we do every year. Uh, People love it. They feel good about it. Plus, we give our clients something, too, of course. But it's not just about, you know, hey, thanks, we're going to throw a fancy party and give, you know, great wine and food. We actually keep it pretty low-key and focus more on the the idea of the season of holidays, you know, we're trying to do, do good in our community and give back. I've also been involved in a credit union board, which was a crazy awesome experience. The credit union works, their, their mission is to work with people who are underserved in the banking world. And that led to connections in all these different CDCs, like all these different organizations that do so much in the community that I didn't even know existed. So I, I really do get involved in a lot of different things. And there's more. I know it's crazy. Pacific University, I'm involved there, where which was my undergrad degree. But I really believe, I, I'll back up a little bit. So 20 years ago, when I started introducing myself as I'm a financial advisor, people are like, oh, cool, and walk away and go talk to someone else because no one wants to get 
it pitched a product. And that's right. kind of what our industry did at that point in time. I'll, you know, look at your portfolio and tell you all the things that guy did wrong. So I've never led with that because I saw the pe- the reaction. So when people ask me what I did, I'm like, I come to networking events and hang out and, you know, eat the food or whatever. I would always make a joke and they'd be like, no, really, what do you do? And so I have found the way I build my practice is by building my community and being a resource when needed. And if people need me, I'm always there for them for that financial capacity. So being involved in all this stuff fills the soul as well as it does have an impact on business. Well, I love your heart is on your sleeve. People can see that. People can feel that. And again, people like to do business with people they like and have things in common with. And you're putting right. yourself in amazing positions to uh, meet people who you have things in common with. So as we wrap up today's podcast, I want to I want to uh, learn just a, a smidge more about you, and then we'll wrap up for today. So, Christy, right. uh, when you recommend something, this is I love this question. This is my favorite question to ask. If you recommend something to family, friends, or whatever, it's like your go-to thing that you recommend. It can be a book. It can be a movie. It can be a TED Talk. What is that one go-to thing for you? With no topic around it or topic related to the, the industry we're in? Uh, it does not have to be topic related to the industry. Oh, gee. <laughs> uh, I think I've recommended the book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks probably 6,000 times. Okay. And the reason for that is... I've found that so many people are their own block in their, whatever their goal they're trying to accomplish. So building a business, being an advisor, you know, whatever thing they're working on, they have their, they're the the biggest roadblock to their own success. And the big leap addresses a lot of the internal self-sabotage that we do and gives some ideas of ways to, uh, get out of that self-sabotage or recognize it and choose a different path. So I've found that to be helpful. One of my best friends, we call it the book. Mm. Like, oh, well, you know, the book would have said, mm-hmm. you know, y- you're doing this, you're open right now. Mm. And it's like, oh, I totally am open, which stands for upper limit problem. Mm. Uh, you've, you've reached your upper limit. So you've never been here before. So your brain's telling you you can't go past this spot because you don't know what's going to be on that other side. So if you've never made more than X dollars, your brain is going to start doing things once you approach that to slow that process down because it's it's you've never you've reached your upper limit. You can't go there. So I really I really do uh, recommend that book quite a bit. And. I could give you a, you know, list a dozen podcasts, but we'll stick with that. <laughs> well, you, you also said something super duper important at the beginning of the show, uh, which was, you know, you took a little bit of a, a step back from all of the things that mm-hmm. you got involved with for self-care. What do you do for self-care? Sleep. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's getting rid of stress. Mm-hmm. So I took about a month off, uh, in two years ago, two summers ago, it was a, uh, kind of quick decision in April when I was talking to one of my, I have two best friends, my other best friend, when she was on a medical leave and she works for a corporation, gets paid leave. It's great. She could take a sabbatical for a year, come back and have her job. She's, it's just a great scenario. And I mentioned to her, you know, as an entrepreneur, we don't get a sabbatical and, you know, taking a leave, it's, you just have to, you know, there's a lot of things to make that happen unless you're physically not able to work like medically. I said, I don't even know what it would take to take a month off of work. So I went and finished my uh, client appointments for the day, opened up a spreadsheet and started running numbers. And I said, whoa, I could do that in July. And so I didn't do it in July. I did it in August. 
And I took a month off of life per se. Hmm. So I, I, no emails, except for one board meeting, I had to check and get the agenda. I did, I couldn't get out of that board meeting because I was on a critical committee for what was coming up. Um, so I went to one board meeting, but other than that, no emails, no calling the office, no checking in. I had to sign one document that fortunately could be docu-signed. And my assistant told the other advisor in my office who wanted me to sign the document, she is not allowed in the office. <laughs> if, you, if she has to sign it, you take it to her. Do not let her in the door. Because she knew if I came here, I'd be like, oh, what mail is on my desk? That's oh, right. how are things going? Yeah. And it, I thank her so much for that. Because I was thinking it was no big deal. I'm up the street having lunch. I'll just swing by and sign it. She's like, no. <laughs> so I appreciate her for that. But I took that month off of, of life painted rooms in my house, took road trips, went to the beach, took my dog to Eastern Oregon and where I, I was actually born in Eastern Oregon, got to go back and see like spots. I'm like, Hey, I remember that. Why I bring that up right now is that it, I realized on that month that stress was my biggest health Im impeding thing. Mm -hmm. And even though I love all the activities I'm in, I don't know how to half do something. And so I can't be on a board or involved in an organization and not give what I'm here to give. And so I see people who can show up, just be in the meeting, volunteer to do one piece that takes five minutes and feel good about that. But that's just not who I am. And so I made that decision that by the end of 2018, I would give up a couple things that were uh, super time intensive that I love, but also that kept my stress level high because I was always having to be on, always having 10 things running um, for those organizations. So for my self-care, it's reducing stress. I have, I get massages now. I think it's just twice a month. There's last month I got four. Shh, don't tell anyone, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I try to spend more time with friends, with family. I have a grandmother who's a hundred, almost 101, one who's turning 96 in just a couple of weeks on Easter. I went out and hung out with my hundred year old grandma for a while. They had the family thing on a day I couldn't go. So we got time together. That's the kind of stuff that is self-care to me is nice. just having flexibility to make choices, whether it be tonight, I feel like I'm just going to stay at home and watch, you know, binge watch something on Netflix, or I'm going to sign up for a class and learn something new. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to, you know, go to the gym. So self-care is just about having flexibility to make choices and less stress. If you could give our audience one piece of marketing or even just advice, what advice would you give them? I think uh, the biggest thing for me would be transparency and passion. If you don't love what you're doing, uh, don't force it. Find, do, find what it is that you love to do and find a way to make money at it. I happen to love helping people with their money. And, their, and all the things around that, the emotions, the investments, the insurance, the stuff I don't handle, the stuff I handle, because I happen to understand it really well. My brain likes it. So I'm able to go out and help people and make a living doing that. So if you're not passionate about what you're doing, find what, what it is and do that. If it happens to be money, be really transparent and, and um, open with your clients and the people you work with. We have enough noise, as we alluded to earlier in our industry, that we're always going to be, I don't want to say justifying because that makes it sound the wrong tone, but justifying what we're doing. I'm real transparent with fees. If I can, I show every expense. So I ask my clients when they're talking about fees and expenses and all the things in our industry, ask people what the cost is. 
Because in our industry, if you ask what a fee is, that refers to one specific thing. An expense refers to one specific thing. A commission refers, ask what the cost is. And we try to be real transparent with costs, real transparent with how we're doing things so that people don't ever have to be in that conversation of, well, I don't really know what I pay for that, or I don't understand what this is. So just being, you know, being real in a sea of confusion. Awesome. Well, Christy, thank you so much. Uh, this has been enlightening, wonderful. Congratulations on, on winning the, uh, the award with WIFS. And thank you very much for, for giving us some good advice and some good thought leadership on our show today. Well, thank you for having me. Is there anything that you would like our audience to do? I mean, if you were able to uh, wave a magic wand and say, you know what, I wish all of your listeners would do this, uh, what would it be? Uh, Well, be awesome. I mean, that's easy, right? (laughs) Just be awesome. Um, I would like to just, as as a female in the industry, I think it's really important that other women in the industry support and uh, encourage each other. I won't go on a long diatribe here, but I have found women in insurance and financial services as a great support system. And I would encourage every woman in this industry to join that organization and get involved because we can have impact and make a difference. And this is not to alienate the men. Men are actually allowed to and encouraged to be part of the group. But we have we need more women in the industry just to match the population of what's in our country. So that would be my my closing thought. Fantastic. And we will make sure that we have uh, a link to the book, uh, a link to your uh, contact information, and also to WIFS. So once again, awesome. Chrissy, thank you so much. Thank you. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do. And if you wouldn't mind, give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. That helps us out. And also, if you have an idea for the show, if you have a guest uh, that you would like to have on, or if you're that guest, or if you know of a topic that you'd really like us to cover and dive in, uh, all you have to do is email me at matt at topadvisorm. That M is for marketing.com, matt at topadvisorm.com, and we will make sure that we get that. So uh, for Christy and for uh, everybody at Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Haller and and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.